Just a heads up, this is an episode about a shock website full of disturbing content, but I did my best to avoid graphic detail. On this podcast, we explore fantastical thinking, moral panics, conspiracy theories, and urban legends, examine the forces that shape our culture, and tell the stories that create the realities we share, and sometimes the realities we don't. I'm your host, Chelsea Weber-Smith, and this is American Hysteria. Whoa, 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 what the? Oh, no. Put on one of these other ones. Simple, dude. No. It better not be real. Oh, no, 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 no. Back in the late 90s and early 2000s, When internet access was still new to most Americans, one site in particular haunted the edges of the World Wide Web like a hideous, poisonous spider. It was a collection of extremely gruesome and sexually explicit images, many of which became dark memes spread by the turn of the millennium's more nihilistic teens and young adults. While making this episode, I mentioned the site to a handful of friends, all of whom remembered it, both faint memories of the site's many rumors and vivid memories of the site's many horrors. This shock site was the stuff of legend back at a time when the internet was a lot smaller, when there were specific sites that everyone went to, like Newgrounds and E-Bombs World, that gave all of us the same innocent memes and flash videos, our salad fingers, our angry kids, our home star runners, our hamster dances. The now-defunct homepage of Rotten.com is still accessible on the Wayback Machine, and it features an eerie skeleton creature with the words, When hell is full, the dead will walk the earth. Pure evil since 1996. With the description, The soft white underbelly of the net, eviscerated for all to see. A truly unpleasant experience. Salon Magazine put it this way back in 2001, quote, If it involves bizarre sex, gruesome death, or the sordid side of celebrity, you will find it on this site. For the sake of all that is holy, I am not going to share many specifics in this episode. That's on you whether or not you want to further your own research. But Rotten.com was more than just a shock site. In fact, it was once considered a serious bastion of free speech back in the days when the battle over internet censorship was focused less on hate speech and misinformation and more on pornography and gore. But these standoffs involved not just censorship by private companies as we see today, but by the actual federal government 
who would meet their match in a new generation in which not giving a fuck was all the rage. Known to the world as Soylent, the creator of Rotten.com never meant for the site to get as big as it did, and he didn't get into the gore game as an act of political rebellion. He was just bored one day in 1996 searching through a database of single words not yet claimed by their .com, and when he saw the word rotten, he thought it was a cool name for a website. Soylent had always been into the morbid, the disgusting, the transgressive, things that pushed the boundaries of everything. So he uploaded a handful of horrific JPEGs, which he referred to as joke images. During that first year, he continued to build his catalog of the worst of the worst, and though Rotten.com was getting more popular on niche message boards, it still remained relatively obscure. That is, until Soylent got a hold of a photo of one of the most sensational celebrity deaths of the 1990s. Good evening. The people's princess is dead across the country, across the world. Millions are trying to come to terms with the awful tragedy of Diana's untimely death. Under the title, Death of a Princess, Rotten posted a photo that showed the twisted metal of a devastating car accident, a blonde victim among the wreckage. It was a photo of Diana, Princess of Wales, taken right before her sudden death as she was chased by paparazzi through a Paris tunnel. Copied directly from Rotten.com, the photo would actually appear on the front page of a French newspaper under the headline, Group Posts Picture Purporting to Show Dying Princess. A popular news database called Newslinks linked to Rotten.com with the title, Princess Diana Crash Photo, now on internet fan page. But the image was not of Diana. It was a hoax a photo of an unrelated yet gruesome accident. It was debunked fairly quickly in early internet terms, with French users pointing out that the firemen surrounding the car were not wearing the official Paris uniforms and that the fire truck had the wrong emergency number painted on the side. But that image had already made its way to who else but talk show host Howard Stern, who followed the fraudulent image to Rotten.com. Once he got acquainted, he had a lot of nice things to say about it on his show, sending thousands of new fans flooding to the site. Death of a Princess is considered to be one of the very first viral hoaxes on the World Wide Web, with a 1997 New York Times article foreshadowing where we find ourselves today. Quote, The hoax photo has set off a new controversy over the ease with which inaccurate information can be disseminated over the global computer network. Soylent's excuse for this worldwide hoax? Rotten.com never said the image was real. The site would double down on not giving a single fuck when right after the Columbine school shooting in 1999, Soylent purchased the URL trenchcoat.org. 
it was a reference to the sudden goth moral panic that exploded after the shooters were revealed to be wearing black trench coats. Early news reports claimed that the shooters were part of the school's trench coat mafia, a group of violent goths ready to commit more shootings. When a curious user went to trenchcoat.org, they would find themselves redirected to the Burlington Coat Factory website. As you might imagine, Rotten was soon sent a very strongly worded cease and desist letter by the company, which was then posted by Soylent in order to make fun of their corporate pearl clutching. Not long after that, Soylent also bought the URL Mattel.com with two L's and linked it back to Rotten.com so that anyone searching for and accidentally misspelling the name of the toy company responsible for Barbie and Rock'em Sock'em robots would find themselves in a digital house of horrors. Another cease and desist letter promptly arrived, also posted for laughs. The Anti-Defamation League sent a very polite letter requesting that the site take down a cheesy digital image of a sadistic Pillsbury Doughboy cooking a bunch of smaller Pillsbury Doughboys in an oven because it apparently reminded some people of the Holocaust. Then came a cease and desist letter from Pillsbury itself with both of these posted on the site for users to make fun of. But these controversies were relatively quiet, mostly jokes enjoyed by seasoned users who saw these legal threats as proof they were doing something to piss off the corporate overlords. But a February 2001 article by The Independent titled Police Try to Shut Down Website with Picture of Pervert Eating Baby would rocket the site back into public consciousness with the journalist announcing that both Scotland Yard and the FBI were investigating the legitimacy of a series of unimaginable photos of a Chinese man eating a baby. The article also claimed that the website, based in California, had been linked with, quote, the ritual abuse of children. The writer then goes on to name his source for this information, quote, the existence of the website was revealed by two patients at the Clinic for Disassociative Studies based in London's Harley Street and run by Valerie Sinison, a psychotherapist who specializes in the treatment of adult survivors of child abuse. Dr. Valerie just so happened to be the recovered memory therapist at the center of the UK version of the satanic ritual abuse hysteria. Whether the rumors of the FBI Scotland Yard investigations were true remains unknown. But after reading the article, Soylent was surprised as everyone else because he hadn't been contacted by authorities of any kind. Still, he would counter the claims by pointing to proof that the photo was part of a conceptual art series by a Chinese artist named Zhu Yu called Eating People. To this day, the photo still appears on racist Facebook posts, most recently claiming that COVID-19 started in China because they routinely eat babies. 
In actuality, it was all a hoax by a boundary-pushing artist, most likely using a doll and the body of a roasted duck. I suppose this is uh, the most controversial piece you've made. Can you tell me about how you came to do this this particular performance piece with the, the eating the baby? The year before this baby-eating outrage, a website unrelated to Rotten came to the attention of the World Wide Web, a controversy focused on another aggressively innocent target. Under the guidance of one Dr. Wong Chang, the site taught visitors how to create bonsai kittens by raising them inside glass jars, molding their bones into its shape, using muscle relaxers, and feeding them through tubes. Quote, Just as the topiary gardener produces bushes that take the forms of animals or any other thing, you no longer need be satisfied with a house pet having the same mundane shape as all other members of its species. With Bonsai Kitten, a world of variation awaits you, limited only by your own imagination. And if you didn't want to DIY your own Bonsai Kitten, you could just buy your own right off the site. Needless to say, this was an obvious hoax with poorly photoshopped examples of kittens in jars. But when it comes to baby animals, America doesn't take any chances. The Bonsai Kitten spoof was created by a still unknown MIT grad student who went by that charming pseudonym. It was first brought to public attention by yet another shock site called Cruel.com under their series, Cruel Site of the Day. From there, it went viral, and soon citizens were up in arms about this abusive abomination, with thousands of alarmed letters and emails sent to the Animal Welfare Institute and the Humane Society of the United States. Both groups would be forced to make statements on their websites, assuring the public that it was nothing more than distasteful satire. But the Humane Society still said the website was encouraging abuse and demanded it be removed, lest some dope out there give the instructions a try. The FBI even did an investigation to make certain, once and for all, that kittens were not being grown in mason jars, and they were able to trace the site to a server at MIT. They showed up to the Boston College with a subpoena, which demanded them to provide any and all subscriber information related to bonsaikitten.com. And, of course, the real name of Dr. Chang. MIT immediately kicked the website off its server to avoid any more drama, and it seemed that BonsaiKitten.com would never again send the most gullible among us into hysterics. But who do you think offered up their bandwidth to a fellow crusader for transgressive free speech? BonsaiKitten.com would find a permanent home on Rotten.com's website. A match made in heaven. Or maybe hell. 
more after this. You ever notice how finding time and energy to do the most basic human necessity, eat literal food, has become just another exhausting task jammed into our increasingly inhuman schedules? Well, your spring can be a little more stress-free with Factor. Factor will provide you with delicious, never-frozen, ready-to-eat gourmet meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Each week, you get to choose from a menu of 35 options to create your perfect breakfast, lunch, or dinner with absolutely no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. And Factor makes sure you get exactly what you want. You can tailor deliveries to your schedule and customize how many meals you want each and every week, and you can pause anytime. So just head to factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 and use code American and Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code American Hysteria 50 at factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Check out Factor today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. That same year... Rotten.com would make the news yet again as one of a handful of shock sites that posted images of the September 11th jumpers, which showed several people falling in midair from the World Trade Center. Yet another hair trigger for a traumatized America. Something so off-limits that it was unthinkable that anyone would post photos like that. Soylent would not stop stating in his manifesto, quote, Rotten.com serves as a beacon to demonstrate that censorship of the internet is impractical, unethical, and wrong. Horrors are sprinkled throughout life, and I see no problem with concentrating them. If you want, we could go down to the bookstores and find pictures of cadavers for you. It's very easy. It's not possible to write a law to make it impossible to display that stuff, even for minors. It's too much of a slippery slope to take. By that time, about 200,000 visitors were going to Rotten.com every day, and the site was becoming a kind of shorthand for parents' concern around what their kids could find on the World Wide Web with no laws gatekeeping its content. Since the late 50s, the internet had been a boring piece of government and educational technology, and it wasn't until 1992 that the gates were open to the public and to commercial interests, and there was no legal infrastructure in place to regulate this sudden new form of popular media. In 1996, the first censorship legislation was signed by the Clinton administration called the Communications Decency Act. 
We know the information age will bring blessings for our people and our country. But like most human blessings, we know the blessings will be mixed. Children sometimes are exposed to images parents don't want them to see because they shouldn't. The state's rationale was that speech on the radio and on TV had long been regulated by government oversight, with even mild swear words cordoned away to certain hours when minors were least likely to be caught in the corrupting influence. The law was based around preventing children from gaining access to explicit content by making it a criminal offense to send obscene or indecent messages to anyone under age, as well as knowingly displaying content deemed patently offensive that could be accessed by those under 18. In legal terms, these categories are confusing, with obscenity being speech that does not receive federal protection under the First Amendment, what contemporary community standards would judge the real bad stuff. Indecent material is content generally considered inappropriate by the same community standards, but less bad, still given First Amendment protection, especially when it has literary, artistic, political, or scientific value. But obviously, both categories could be very up for interpretation depending on your own value system. The law would also make companies responsible for adding age verification mechanisms for all adult content, meaning they would have to figure out ways to screen everything or face criminal charges. It also meant that a person couldn't post this kind of content in any public forum, including message boards and chat rooms. Civil liberties groups immediately got to work organizing mass protests online and sounding the alarm that this law could be interpreted in ways that could be dangerous to individual rights and the free exchange of information. Ultimately, it worked, and the courts, citing free speech, kept the part about obscenity but struck down the part about indecency, agreeing that it was too broad and too ill-defined. The 1998 Child Online Protection Act was the next attempt to censor the internet, designating that any website which hosted material deemed harmful to minors had to be restricted from people under 18. Rotten.com made its Senate floor debut when internet safety activist Donna Rice Hughes used it as her main example of the, quote, violent and bloody horrors that kids could easily access online. Yet again, the act was seen as too broad and was struck down by the courts in the name of free speech and against government overreach. For many early champions of an uncensored internet, this was what the fight first looked like. And to them, it felt heroic sticking it to the same adults who had been seizing their satanic heavy metal CDs, censoring the lyrics to their favorite explicit songs, and just generally moral panicking all over their favorite countercultural pastimes. The early World Wide Web was a kind of Wild West, a folk battle to try to wrest the internet away from the long arm of the law. 
It's important to remember that the internet rose to popular usage during the jackass era, the days of punk and skate culture going mainstream, an era of screaming apathy, a contest to see who could care less, whether it was about what happens to their body as they throw themselves into potentially deadly juvenile stunts, or about offending their fellow citizens with shocking sex and twisted gore. We can see that from the start, the anti-censorship movement has been antagonistic, trolly, pranky, a game to see what one could get away with in a country where government overreach has always been a primary concern in American culture. But the fight's a little different now, because unless the government itself is censoring the internet as it was trying to do back in the days of Rotten.com, it isn't a violation of freedom of speech. It's a choice by a corporation simply out to make the most money it can with as little controversy as possible. For better or worse, that's what freedom of the market looks like in action. Not only that, but what's considered indecent speech varies considerably from person to person and also from decade to decade and will continue to transform as the culture around it changes. But no matter what, there will always be transgressive provocateurs ready to test the boundaries, whether we like it or not. Posts on Rotten.com would slow considerably by 2008, and by 2012, the site was officially offline. But there were already plenty of shock sites ready to take its place, plenty of other aggressive transgressives ready to be the next Soylent. Now, for those of us who grew up with this version of the web, Rotten.com is but a whispered memory that many of us would like to forget. It exists now only as a pockmark on what Soylent once called the soft white underbelly of the net. Like a scar from an unnerving spider bite you got as a kid. This was American Hysteria. If you want more of our show, head to patreon.com slash American Hysteria, where you can get access to Hysteria Home Companion, in which producer Miranda and I cover all the hottest gossip from the cutting room floor. Coming up next, our researcher Riley Smith will join us for a conversation all about the conspiracy theories and urban legends around the Manson family. Head to patreon.com slash American Hysteria to get access to all our previous episodes. American Hysteria is written, produced, and hosted by me, Chelsea Weber-Smith. This episode has sound design by Clear Camo Studios, co-produced by Miranda Zickler, and co-researched by Riley Smith. Thanks, as always, for listening to an episode I certainly didn't think I would ever make. Till next time, I hope you have a great week.
Friends, hello. I'm Mike Rignetta, the host of Never Post, a new and independent news podcast about and for the internet. In addition to bringing you the latest in current events, we try to figure out why the internet and the world because of the internet is the way it is. How did influencers destroy tween fashion? What is posting disease and how do you ensure you don't catch it? From what device must one send important emails? We talk about what's going on online and ask together why. Why are we like this? Find Never Post wherever you get your podcasts.